another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with just Jeremy Gregory today. Hey, guys. Uh, Billy is out. We uh, I was off last week out of town, so we didn't record last week when he was around. And unfortunately, he is uh, he's busy with work, and I didn't want to delay recording any farther. But this, this week's game, we're going to cover Tomb Raider for the original PlayStation, uh, a game I know we've all played before, and probably you've at least played something in the series if you're listening to this. So... Uh, not that it's not important to have Billy here, but it's not one that's an extremely Billy-centric kind of show. We do have some of those coming up. Uh, but before we get on Tomb Raider, Jeremy, what have you been playing since the last time we recorded? I can't say I've been playing a ton. I did uh, check out Undermine that just came out on PC and uh, Xbox. It's on actually on uh, Game Pass as well, which is where I found it. Uh, I didn't really know much about it, but uh, this looks... It, it's kind of right up my alley. I don't know if you ever played Rogue Legacy... Uh, back when it came out around yes. the time that the PlayStation 4 launched. Yes, I did. I love it. Love that game. Uh, I'm not a very big fan of the roguish type of games. Uh, roguelikes, roguelite, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I've just never been that big of a fan of them. But there was something about Rogue Legacy that had a very a very nice progression system in it. It didn't feel like I was just wasting my time all you know the entire time I was playing it. Plus, it was it was doing the whole Metroidvania thing, which you know, putting those two together and, and making it work, just it, I got really addicted to it. So, Undermine is basically like that, except instead of the 2D platform action Castlevania kind of game, uh, it is now a top-down, almost like, um, well, it, it kind of you know, it's obviously got the Zelda influences with it, but it's uh, it reminds reminds me of a lot of Binding of Isaac, uh, if you've ever played that. It's it's got it's like that except it's actually got the rogue legacy progression system on top of that, where whatever gold you earn in, during these runs you can use on on getting better armor, better weapons, uh, upgrading your actual like base and things like that. So it's as long as you, it seems like you've got that in one of these rogue light style games, then you've kind of got me. I can get it. And as long as the game itself like you can do these runs fairly quickly. I will keep coming back to it over and over again. I haven't got to play a ton of it. I'm in the second area right now. I beat the first boss and, and still making my way through uh, the second area. But so far, this is pretty damn good. Uh, there's, there, isn't, there is some randomness to it, which I know is a big part of these rogue kind of games and making your way through them. But it's not as damning as a lot of them are. Uh, this one, it seems like you can actually really focus on what you want. You can either get these, um, you'll find them as you go through like these various areas or you'll find like the um, uh, what relics that are hidden throughout the, the stages. And they can either help you or you can get curses, which will obviously hurt you, but they will generally give you something that is better than the relics. So they kind of have to hurt you in some way to balance it out. So you can either go through as just getting nothing but these relics, which give you a little bit of advantage sometimes. Or you can just go all out and do, get like a curse run and, you know, be this super badass that, that can just kill everything in one hit. But like you'll uh, kill it. You'll have a curse that whenever you kill an enemy, like it'll spawn two spiders out of it or something. Uh, so there's always something there that's kind of hurting you whenever you do those curse runs. There's a lot of variety to it. And I actually really enjoy it so far. I, I'll probably stick with it until I beat it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've got a chance to play it or, or if anybody else has. But it's on Game Pass. I highly suggest checking that out if you're a fan of that kind of game, especially if you were a fan of Rogue Legacy. I'm also playing a kind of a, a, 
a sort of roguelike. Uh, Chasm was on sale for the Switch for uh, 50 or 60% off, and that's been out for a little while. But that's another one that it's it's procedurally generated, but then the map is saved to the point where they give you a code you can you know give out to other people so they're playing the same uh, randomized map you are. So it doesn't change every time. It's not like Dead Cells, which I also like, but that changes every time you die. You start over fresh. Everything's you know regenerated. There's no no consistency. This is almost like if you played Legend of Zelda, and then after you beat it, you could start Legend of Zelda again, but the map's entirely different. Uh, so I, I'm enjoying that. Uh, it's it's not extremely hard so far, and I, I played a little bit of that when I was out of town. Uh, the other thing I've been playing a lot of is uh, on the... I don't have Xbox, so whatever's on Game Pass doesn't help me. But I on PS4, if you have the PS Plus, uh, one of the free games last month was Fall Guys. And I know it's out on PC as well. Uh, Fall Guys is, if, if you haven't tried it, essentially like all the you know, MX, MXC, any of those kind of game shows they brought up from Japan where people do kind of, you know, run down this hallway and you get knocked over by a big foam sword or whatever. Like it's, it's that, but there's 60 people playing at once and you're just like rushing through a maze or through an event that's kind of this goofy, extreme sportsy kind of thing uh, until eventually you get down after so many rounds, you know, half the, the team loses in the first round so then you only have 30 people in the next round and then a third of those people if they lose the next round then you have 20 people in the next round so after five rounds you're at the last final round uh, which is normally something where there's six or seven people left trying to either get to the end of this race or be the last man standing on some kind of uh, obstacle that spins around it's super fun it's also extremely awkward to control which is kind of on purpose that way everyone's kind of like a weeble uh, they <laughs> they have feet so they can walk but if they fall down they kind of bounce all over the place a little bit till they get back on their feet so especially if you're on an incline, you'll just kind of roll off sideways. It, it's extremely frustrating. I, I played a game today, and I actually won for the first time where I was the last man standing, and I, I won a, a crown. It's very exciting. And then the very next game, I didn't even finish the first board. I, I, I don't know what happened, but I just got just in the, the wrong luck in the wrong spots. But every game is so fast. Every round is two to three minutes. Uh, a whole game, if you make it all the way to the end and get a crown, it's less than 15 minutes. So I can just sit down and play it for 10, 15 minutes at a time and feel really good. Or if I want to sit there and play it for two hours, it's just a bunch of really fast matches. I, I don't know if you've tried that or had a chance yet, but that's another one I highly recommend. I, I keep meaning to try it. I walked in on my friend playing it, and I was just kind of watching her play it. I was like, what? Did somebody seriously make a Battle Royale wipeout game in, in 2020? Because, I mean, it's kind of literally what it is. It's it, but it looks really fun. I mean, it's super bright. Uh, you know, there's nothing serious about it. Obviously, every all the the characters, like you said, are just these little jelly bean looking guys with stumpy legs and arms. And you can actually kind of trick them out in new costumes and things like that. It's actually got like a a leveling up system. It looks like as you go through, where you can equip. Uh, uh, I saw a bunch of people dressed up as like pigeons and other weird ass costumes. It it seems like the perfect style of game, and it kind of blows my mind that it has taken this long for someone to like make this kind of game because it really seems like it was that office setting where it was like we need to make a new game and then somebody said let's make a battle royale game and the whole office just kind of looked down at the ground just like oh my god no why would we ever do that <laughs> and then somebody is like but let's make it like wipeout and then the whole room just went crazy and cheered because that's the perfect idea it was made for this, and it's, it just blows my mind that it has not been made up until this point. Well, and it's, you know, you mentioned the costumes. Yes, there's a leveling system, but it's not, it doesn't give you any real advantages. It's purely cosmetic. Different outfits, different colors for your character, different, like, taunts you can do. But again, none of it actually affects playing the game. And I'd say 
that skill's definitely a big piece of it, but there's also a ton of just bad luck that will, you know, you'll lose. But again, you lost, what, five minutes of play, and then you just get right back into it with another round, and, and you feel good about yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, and it was a nice break from playing a game that has much, much longer levels than, uh, than five or, or six minutes in some cases. The game we're going to cover this week, Tomb Raider, the original for the PlayStation. <laughs> Than those five minute levels yeah yeah some of those <laughs> levels are extremely long the first time through i mean again if you oh know what you're doing God. you know you can do a uh, you can find a full let's play of this for you know five hours but uh but my version would be each level takes about an hour uh, and that does not include things i had to reload <laughs> it is it is a tough game uh for for just trying to figure it out but we will we'll have to explain why I, I think those levels take so long. Uh, the original Tomb Raider, I'm sure you played it when it was new. Uh, I think everybody did. It was not a, a launch game for PlayStation by any means, but it came out fairly early. It came out in 1996. And it is essentially Indiana Jones, the game. And that, that was the draw for it for me. It was like I always wanted a good Indiana Jones games. The only ones I had played before that were any good were like the, the LucasArts, you know, uh, graphic adventure ones where you're, you're following the plot of the movie, or they did make some that were not tied to a movie. They were, they were, where you went to Atlantis, ironically. Uh, but but they're point-and-click adventure games. Like you have to get items and use them in certain spots, and it's not action. This is if you were Indiana Jones as a third-person action game, and it's – I mean, again, you play it now, and we say this about every PlayStation game, not the prettiest game, but when it came out, for what it did, the fact that it was a fully 3D, uh, not quite open world, but large enough levels that you kind of felt like you could kind of go anywhere and do anything, really, really impressive. Yeah, this was a really big deal when it came out, because, I mean, the Nintendo 64 had Mario 64, of course. And that was really the first game where it did 3D platforming in a 3D space very well. And nothing on the PlayStation had even come close to that up until that point. And then Tomb Raider came out and we finally got this these huge levels kind of, you know, they're, they're not obviously not like Mario 64 levels, but they're just big and you can explore them completely. You're not funneled down one route, kind of like uh, you are in Crash. Um, th these are large fully explorable levels that you can walk around in jump around in kill things in and it was it was a really big technical achievement as far as like on the playstation at least because it was just it was amazing to see levels this big because these levels dwarf anything that has been out there and i think they kind of went a little bit too far with some of these as far as their size but that was one of the impressive things about it when it came out, just the absolute scale of this game. And you just seemed like a, a teeny tiny person with triangular boobs that could explore everything you saw. And I remember being so impressed by that, that I, I played this game way, way more than, uh, than I did this time. I'll say that much. Well, it, it, it again, it, it is, 
still a game that I, I think plays really well, but it does not have the same impact it does. If you had never played the original Tomb Raider until 2020, it, it's just not the same. It, it was a landmark game, and almost immediately afterwards, because it did well, there were you know 50 or 60 games that were a lot like this, Either a lot of them by the same company, honestly. Uh, but, but Tomb Raider on its own, you know, if you try to go back and just think about how important it was, you had to have been there to see it. But it, this kind of like changed the game of how you're going to do 3D action exploration platformers. Now it's totally commonplace. I mean, the games that are very similar to this, uh, Uncharted series is, is like what this was aiming to do. But obviously with years of, of experience and, and better hardware uh, and even the, the current iterations of the Tomb Raider series are very much more like Uncharted and a lot less like this original game and that was the thing that kind of surprised me playing this now is how different this is from what the series has become um and again i don't think this the playstation could have done the things that uncharted and the new tomb raiders are doing but what it's changed i don't know if i'm as big of a fan of as the things that i really really like about the original tomb raider well a lot of the things that you know, you could say that maybe Mario 64 was deaf. It, it was the blueprint for uh, um, a 3D platformer. And Tomb Raider was that for like these kind of 3D action games, like what Un Uncharted would become. But it is a very, very, very basic blueprint. And the problem with this one, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is that they didn't actually really improve upon this in this game until like way down the road. Like the advancements that came along in this type of game uh, was actually more more by like something like Soul Reaver, you know, with being able to like move around the levels better and climb better and, and stuff like this. This was like it it stuck this blueprint on here as to how this as Tomb Raider this is how Tomb Raider plays, and that's how it stayed. So yes, that's uh, when things did advance when Uncharted came out and like just blew the roof off of everything. It really just made this game feel like it is completely archaic. Well, another thing that made this kind of control a little weird for me is I had forgotten that there were PlayStation games that were not made for the DualShock. Now, that seems silly uh, because there's plenty of games that I play that I don't use the DualShock sticks on. But this sort of game, a, a 3D game where the, especially the camera would be controlled by that second, that, that right thumbstick, not there not programmed for it it was not out yet it did not exist so therefore not only is the control not as tight as it needs to be because you're not using an analog stick but you also don't have real good camera control you you just don't and that's another you know almost all these games now you have the right stick it controls the camera it's extremely easy to use going backwards and playing a game that doesn't have that that it really should is is almost I don't want to say unplayable, but it makes some sections of the game really, really difficult unnecessarily. It's damn near unplayable. <laughs> like, that's just, it's close. Like, I'm not, a, like, embarrassed to say that it probably took me a good hour just to come to grips with controlling Laura again. And, yeah, man, these controls, like, we talk about tank controls with Resident Evil and how many other games use that. This was new. I'll give them that. No one, a game really hadn't controlled like this before. And it, it was kind of more in line with something like out of this world with flashback with kind of how like plotting and exact you need to be. Cause by default, Laura just runs and you're controlling her. Like you said, with a D pad, uh, she just moves in the direction that you tell her to go. The, 
the camera kind of always just follows behind her. It just kind of hovers behind her. You don't actually get to control that. Unless you, I, I believe it's like holding one of the buttons, then you can kind of like look behind her and look at things. But generally, as you're playing, you have to have you have to have her position so exact in a lot of these things to the point where they give you a walk button. And so instead of just running and you just run over a cliff or, or one of the, the ledges or something, you hold onto that that walk button and you'll slowly walk up to the ledge and you won't go over no matter how much you press forward. So, and, and stuff like that really reminds me of like out of this world flashback. So it seems like it's kind of got that pace to it, but and it worked back then. But it sure, man, it just felt rough now. Yeah, it, it's definitely a tough control scheme. So uh, to to control Laura in, in her game, you use the the D pad to move. Um, your L two and R two buttons will do a sidestep, which is great. It helps you to kind of keep the camera where it needs to be and 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 go a little left or right without going too crazy. Because when you actually turn left or right and then try to go forward, you'll kind of do like a jump forward a little bit. So you kind of want that sidestep to keep yourself from falling off of things. You did mention there's a look button. L1, if you hold it down, lets you, you know, goes almost like out of her eyes and you can look around the room. Uh, that is helpful, but you can't then use that to remove the camera. As soon as you let go of L1, it goes back to the default camera that was there before. And then the R1 button is the walk button, which is extremely important, not just because you don't want to run everywhere, but uh, this is a game that involves you going through ancient, collapsed ruins, uh, sometimes going up vertically. And so you're going from platform to platform, jumping around, trying to get higher and higher. And so if you just walk off a platform uh, and run off a platform, you'll fall to your death. Laura does not take falling damage well. Uh, she can fall a fair amount, you know, for, for an actual human being, she probably falls a very large amount without taking damage. But then if you, if you exceed that, and sometimes it's hard to tell how far that's going to be, she will fall to the ground and take a good amount of damage, or literally inches farther than that, she falls and instantly dies. So you've got to be extremely careful that you don't run off a ledge. Um, so the, the walk button will let you go as close to that ledge as possible, and it will not allow you to walk off the ledge. Uh, it stops you. So the walk button is also kind of a safe mode to get yourself perfectly lined up for jumps because, again, the camera doesn't help you, so you kind of have to go right up against the ledge. And then if you uh, if you do that and you do use the look button, it might reset the camera to right behind you if you're lucky. And then you can make those jumps uh, off that ledge to the next ledge. Um, jumping is a square button. Uh, X is your, your action button. Uh, meaning shoot or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. The triangle button will pull your gun out or put your gun away, and the circle button does a roll on the ground that I almost never used, and I probably should have used more. Uh, again, if you're running around, you can then use uh, the jump. When you're running, you'll jump farther. If you're standing still and you hit the jump button, you'll jump straight in the air. You kind of have to hit the jump button and, and towards where you want to go, the forward button to jump out, but then you don't jump as far as you would if you were running. And the jump in this game has a, a, an intentional delay, uh, much like a game like, uh, you know, you mentioned Out of This World and Flashback. That was very similar. You couldn't push jump and it wasn't immediate. There's a slight delay. So if you're trying to run and jump from platform to platform, you can't just push jump at the very moment you want her to jump. You have to kind of push jump a step ahead of where you want her to jump. And that also led to some falls that, that really... I mean, that's how the game controls, and it is, once you get used to it, it's fine. But it takes a while to really get used to how Laura jumps and, and the distance she can make on those jumps. Because unlike a game like Out of This World and Flashback, this is fully 3D. So depth on the PlayStation, while it's done 
fairly well is not a perfection, you know, not a, not a perfected art at this time. So I couldn't tell sometimes which jump was the right one to make until after I made it, died, and had to learn the right way by death. If there are any younger listeners out there listening to this, I can absolutely assure you that it is just as awkward in game doing all of that as it probably sounded with, you know, trying to actually describe all of it because it is just, it's, it, it is what it is. And, and that's, that's really all you can say. Like there is for something that's, that is now so simple, like just the new Tomb Raider games of like moving forward and jumping off of a, a ledge to, to grab something else. You had to actually, you, you can't do that in this, the original one. You have to do all of these things that Jeremy just described. You have to run up to it. Then you have to hold down the walk button to, to slowly walk up to the ledge. Then you have to click, uh, you know, your, your strafe button. You take a sidestep to the right or left to line yourself up perfectly. Then you need to jump backwards, maybe even jump backwards twice. Then get a running jump. Hit the jump before you actually get there so that you don't just run off the fucking ledge like I did several times. Uh, and, and all of that put together, then you may make a, sec a successful jump. Like, just put that into perspective of what you do now, which is literally just pressing the stick forward and then jumping and you make the jump. Like, that that's how involved this whole control scheme was. Well, and, and in most of these new games, if you're at the ledge, you're going, you know, jumping for the ledge, your character will automatically jump and grab, and it looks impressive, but really you're just pushing a direction and jumping, and if it's close enough, they, you know, it does that for you. Not in this game. If you jump and you're one pixel too short, or if you forget to hold the X button, which is your grab and action button, Laura will jump as far as she needs to, and then just hit the wall and fall down <laughs> to her death, because you weren't holding down X after you held down, held down square to jump. It's a lot of buttons, and again, they didn't have anything else to work with. This was a kind of a pioneer in the way these games work, so you can't fault them for not having all these things. But going back, it's it's a lot to get used to. It's It's you're using every single button on that controller, sometimes combinations of them you wouldn't use. Like, for example, if you're standing on a ledge and you want to drop down and hang, in every current game, you get close to the edge and you push, like, down and X, and your guy will drop down and hang from the ledge. No big deal. Not this game. In this game, you have to walk close to the ledge but not right on the side. Uh, like, take a step back with your walk button, then hold down the walk button, hit the circle button to do a roll forward, and hold down X. And then she will jump, like, roll off the ledge, and you'll grab it with your hand at the last minute. I didn't even know I could do that, and it made, I mean, honestly, after, like, level five, you have to do it at least once per level. So I died over and over again on this one section because I was like, I know I can hang from this. I know I can fall down and hang. How do I do this? And it's not in the manual, and I had to look somewhere for, like, what are directions for how to do this. And I was like, oh... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> there's all these button combinations you have to remember to do things that now would be automatic. I mean, you wouldn't have to think about them. It's like, yeah, of course I can hang from there. Why wouldn't I? Not this game. You've got to you've got to manually tell Laura to do everything outside of breathing. And we can give this this game a pass because, like I said, this is the first of its kind. And you know, it, it did some some weird shit with the controls. But the thing is, this didn't change for like five years with this game. Like they just kept doing this control scheme over and over and over again. I don't know if you played any of the later ones, but I played all the way up through um, uh, this. Was it the last revelation? No, it was the one after Tomb Raider 3. I can't remember um, which one that one was. It, it uh, is but... last revelation. I have all the, the sequels okay. and stuff. We'll, we'll get into the, the many, yes. many sequels to Tomb Raider. As we mentioned, it's still being made as a series today. Uh, but yes, the, the PlayStation version of this game 
essentially outside of some graphical enhancements and some speed, you know, some touch-ups. This didn't change. This was an annual game that came out every year where it was exactly the same level of awkwardness. Uh, you know, we didn't really get into Laura necessarily. Uh, Laura Croft is the main character of this game. That's who you are. She is the Lady Indiana Jones. And in fact, development of this game at first was a male character. And they said, no, that's everyone's going to think we're just ripping off Indiana Jones. Let's do something different. Let's do something crazy. Let's make it a woman. So Laura Croft is the main character. And she is, I, I mean... It was a big deal. They they made her, you know, uh, she's got an English accent. She seems to be like this uh, Indiana Jones slash super spy sort of character with unlimited money from somewhere and who knows. But, you know, she's she's the best at her job. At, just like Indiana Jones, you call him up if you need someone to go get this relic for you. Uh, she's the same idea. She She's very likable. I mean, again, it's hard to make a, a PlayStation 1 character that doesn't talk nonstop likable, but thankfully she doesn't say stuff nonstop in the game. And not every time you jump, she's not just like, that was a close one. She thankfully just makes some grunting sounds. And, you know, unless there's something that's an actual speaking part in the story pieces of the game, she's fairly quiet, which is great. And speaking of fairly quiet, that was the first thing I noticed when I, you know, turned this on, I got used to the control again. There's almost no music in most of the game. A lot of the game is silent, and the levels, unlike something like Uncharted or um, or the later Tomb Raiders, where there's constantly, for some reason, people around with guns that you have to find and, and you know take out before you go three ledges later, and then a bunch of people with guns show up and you have to take them out, which is something I, I don't necessarily enjoy about those games. This game is a large, fairly empty set of... I mean, you're a Tomb Raider, so tombs, but, you know, ancient pyramids, ancient ruins caves that connect to you know to old waterfalls and stuff and for the most part outside of some wild animals it's just silence and you i really 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 like that and i think that's something that's missing from newer games like this yeah i you uh i mean it's kind of crazy that the very first game in this series is the one that really lives up to its name like everything after this kind of started focusing a little bit more on uh, modern levels or more enemies or more action things like that this game is it, it's exactly what i wanted as a kid it like you said it, it's it's indiana jones the game and this is all i ever wanted from an indiana jones i wanted to, to fumble around in these giant tombs and explore and find new things uh and and this game does it perfectly and i think it it sets that up really well with that whole ambience that it does of just being it's very quiet. It's very echoey. You know, you can hear some some rocks kind of falling in the in the you know background here and there. Just very ambient noises overall. And every once in a while, whenever you do find something, you'll hear that that excellent soundtrack just kind of kick in for just a moment of being like, oh man, I did. You know, it it really makes those moments of when you do discover something that much more exciting because that that soundtrack is so good and used used so sparingly that when it does kick in, it's just like, it, it gives you goosebumps. Uh, but going, going back to Laura real quick, uh, again, for our younger listeners, it, I can't, like stress how big of a deal it was that a, a female was actually the lead of this game. Uh, yes, she is over-sexualized. Yes, she does have huge boobs. Uh, yes, they are just nothing but literally triangles or, you know, pyramids sticking off of her chest. 
but like just the fact that that there was a female lead in this game was it, it was it was huge you know things changed with this it showed developers and uh, you know game companies that you can actually have a video game with a female lead in it and it will sell and this game did sell like it like we said it was huge it sold a lot so yes having Laura in it was also a big deal and I won't I, you know I, I would actually go as far to say that like she was the reason this game sold. Like if you put a, a generic Indiana Jones dude in this in this game, like do you think that that this would have actually sold as well? I don't think it would have gotten the press it had or maybe as much of a push. So no, I don't think it would have sold as well. I, I don't think it matters for making the game itself because there are plenty. I mean, Uncharted, for example, you're, you're uh, Nathan Drake is a guy and that's a but but that's a series that without this game would probably never have existed. So, yes, I think it was a big deal that it was a woman. I think that's why it got so much push. Uh, but it's also that it's 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 a woman, but that's that's it. It's not like it's a game focused on you being a woman. It's just that the main character is a woman. That's it. And she's a badass like Indiana Jones, and she has you know all her own tricks up her sleeve like he always did. Uh, and the the story itself is you know straight out of Indiana Jones. Someone hires her to go and find these pieces of a of a scion is what it's called there are three pieces she gets the first piece pretty early and then you're supposed to you know go around the globe to these different ruins and, and they find reasons to connect the story is why she's going there to get these scion pieces it is it is exactly what you'd want in a game like this but yes laura as a character is the reason this game and this series i think kept going it wasn't like they said oh let's let's get a different character for the next one nope it's laura croft and to the point where later games are called like laura croft the tomb raider as opposed to just tomb raider yeah she got her own playboy spread like if anyone forgot about that i like, did that's... i'm i and i can't say i i am sad that i remember it because i really I... <laughs> <laughs> like that's just how crazy it was like i i'm obviously that would never play these days but like just the idea that a video game character would get a spread in Playboy was just—I mean, we sure did love our our female protagonists in video games. Uh, that was a—I I became a pretty big Laura Croft fan after that, and uh, still still play those games to this day. But yeah, I, I honestly can't say I I I would have been over over the hill over the—I would have loved the whole gameplay and and exploring the tombs and stuff. But man, I think Laura Croft just goes a long way in just being like giving this game so much character. Well, and I'm glad they didn't make her wisecracking the whole time. There are plenty of games that do that. I don't need that. I'm glad that in this game specifically, she just she just makes the noise of somebody who's trying to quietly sneak through these places, but at the same time, you're jumping 12 feet and hanging from a ledge. So you're going to make some sounds. To go, to go back to something you had said earlier, how you can explore every part of these levels. So the game is not open world, although these are all fairly large levels. The le there are 15 levels that are self-contained, but you can go anywhere in the levels. So once you're in a level, you can go backtrack all the way to the start of that level. Uh, most of the time you have to find you know, a button to push to open certain doors or find keys or items. It is, it is not just a straight action game. There's some puzzles in there too, but it's puzzles that are like that, like finding a key or finding a button or draining water or, or whatever it is you need to do to keep your progression through this this level uh like we said there aren't a whole lot of enemies there's a lot of of wildlife generally so you have uh, in early levels you have a lot of wolves or, or wild dogs uh later on you have a lot of monkeys there are dinosaurs there are plenty of things that show up uh, in in this game that that really make it tough for you they all take a good amount of damage uh laura's pistols 
which are her default weapon, have unlimited bullets, which is good. You don't really have a lot of control of where you aim, so if you see something, she'll just aim at it and shoot, which is good. I think in this kind of game, if you also had to worry about aiming along with all the other controls, you'd never hit anything, uh, which is good. You do get better weapons, but the, the ammo is limited on those weapons. And you have to find more ammo that's hidden uh, in, in different places. When you say explore the level fully, there are, in every level, some hidden areas. So when you finish one of these levels, for example, the first level, it'll say, like, you have, you know, you're at the end of the level. Here's how many kills you got for enemies that are there. Here's how many things you picked up. Here's how many secrets. And it's always blank out of, you know, three. One out of three, two out of three, three out of three, or, or 12, or whatever the number of secrets is. I can say fully that most of my time in this game, even this playthrough, at the end of every level, it would say secret zero out of whatever. I never found most of these secrets. And the ones I did find, I'm like, how would you find these unless you really were scouring the level for everything you could? A lot of the time it involved, you know, if you if you opened a door in one section that uh, allowed you to go back to a, an earlier section and it gave you like the like one ledge you couldn't have reached before that now you can. And you go up there and there's, you know, some extra ammo or a health item. The, the, the secrets in these levels are not, it's not like it changes the game, but there's a lot of little things to find that would give you more items and ammunition that make it much easier. I really, really like the level design. Um, my complaints would be mainly just that I can't tell sometimes if there is a ledge there, but that's entirely a fault of the PlayStation, not a fault of the game design. I think it's, it's fine. But the, the, the visuals are sometimes make it very hard to tell if there are certain ledges or, or openings in certain places. But otherwise, these levels are designed very, very well to allow you to kind of explore wherever you'd like within reason. And this is one of those unfortunate, like, just kind of tragic PlayStation games of where I think the levels themselves are still just amazing. Like, their scale, some of them can definitely get a bit long. Uh, their scale, how you get through them, the puzzles that they have, it's all just as good as it was back then. And even when I was playing it now, like, you know, uh, that, that first really big level where you're going down that big, I forget the name of it, but there's like, it's you're, you're solving all these puzzles using, using like old gods or something. Um, and you just keep going down, down, oh, down, yes, down. Oh, yes, yes, the tower. It's not a tower, yes. but it's, it's, there's a bunch of doorways with different... Um, different gods on there and each of those those rooms kind of you know the there's like one i think that says thor and you go in there and there's lightning as part of the puzzle to that and, and yeah yeah those, those uh, are really cool it's amazing like these levels are just great but man these controls <laughs> going back to it like i i genuinely remember why i love this game so much but as we say with all these playstation games it's it is of its time and but these levels hold up so well but you're still stuck with these controls. And it, it was just, it was heartbreaking because I was just like, man, I, I want to play these all over again. Um, but yeah, it was that, that actually controlling Laura was the one thing playing this again that really helped me back. But yes, these levels are huge. Like, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, modern day huge. Like these levels can take you sometimes like six to seven hours to actually complete uh, just one stage if you get stuck or something. But that's just because there are multiples, multiples of just like giant rooms and pathways that lead into other giant hallways and these areas of puzzles. And it just, some of them just go on and on and on. And it really, it, it lent to the whole fact that you were exploring these, these tombs that no one had ever been through before. That was cool. But man, some of these levels, especially as you get later on in the game, 
God damn, <laughs> they can it can test your patience unless you are just way into this. Well, they're they're large, like you said. They also require a fair amount of backtracking, although in a Metroidvania style way, you'll see a door that's not open and there's a keyhole. You know, you have to go find the key, so you'll wander through the level. You'll find the key, you know, half an hour of gameplay away, and then find it and have to get back. Which once you've cleared out the area, assuming you've killed everything you've run into or or know the puzzles, you can get back and minutes but it took you 30 minutes to make that progress uh the, the biggest thing i found not just were the the size of the levels and the backtracking but it's that this is a, an old playstation game and so therefore yes you get to save which is wonderful you know you're not expected to play this start to finish sitting down you know like you would with a nintendo game but instead the save spots are one use only oh i forgot about so the save you, system so you'll find a, a, a blue diamond and you save on it and you're like awesome this is great and you can continue from that spot, but it's it's one use only. If you if you come to a hub and in not even later levels, early on, I think starting at level four or five, this is a problem where you'll come to a safe spot in a room, and there's three exits from that room, and there are puzzles in each of those three that that are going to be very difficult because a lot of the deaths you're going to run into in in Tomb Raider are either instant or they do so much damage that it doesn't take long. So there's pits you fall into that have spikes in them that kill you instantly by the fall plus the spike damage. Or you'll you know run into a room that as soon as you come in, the door closes and five lions run out from, <laughs> from some like hidden pathway and you have to fight those guys off. And, and you probably can, but if you weren't ready for it, then they'll get a few bites on you and it does a lot of damage and you will die and you go back to that safe spot. So it's a lot of, of you'll make 15 minutes of progress, 20 minutes of progress, half an hour of progress, make a mistake walk off a ledge, do something silly that you just, you make a mistake and you have to redo all that again. Sure, it's faster the second time because you know what you're doing, but still, there's a lot of of needing to redo large chunks of the game if you didn't use those save spots smartly. Now, I, again, if you're playing it now on something that gives you an option of a, of a save state, sure, that does help you, and I will admit for some of the later levels, I un, unashamedly will use save states uh, to, to get through this, but when you're playing it out of the box, those save boxes, the, the save diamonds are, I don't want to say a problem, but they definitely factor into each of these levels taking forever. When you finish a level, it'll say, oh, it took you an hour, but that doesn't include the half an hour each time you went out, died, and had to redo it, because it, it picks up the game time from the last time you saved. That's the timestamp of your game. So even if it finished a level it said it took you an hour, you know it took you three because three hours have passed in the real world. The, these levels are, are designed to be very frustrating. There's a lot of traps you can only kind of figure out by failing at them, I think. And, and there's a level later uh, that, that I had no problem getting through most of the levels. It's level, level eight, which you have to raise and lower this water level and oh, swim man, through yeah. it. I mean, you know, very much like a Legend of Zelda water, te water temple in, in uh, uh, Ocarina of Time. But in this case, it was like I could not figure out where to find this key. I could see the key, and I, could, I just couldn't open the door. I couldn't figure out what to do. And eventually I had to look it up. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Because I've done everything up to this point, and it was the level I felt the best about my performance in. And it was like, oh, well, if you got to this point, you know, and you have, if you already lowered the water, well, you can't do it. You have to go back and raise the water up, and that means you have to go back through this whole section again. And I was like, oh, I had to basically lose an hour of time, not including all the time I couldn't figure out what to do, to go back, raise the water up, then swim over and make sure I got this key at the exact right point. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to reach the switch that leads to the key. I mean, there's 
all these little things because the levels are so big and so intricate that if you do them out of order and there's not a lot of direction in the game outside of can I do it now, then I probably should do it now uh, in these levels. There's no arrows. There's not like a, a, a piece of paper you find at the beginning of each level. It's like, hey, make sure not to do this till X, Y, and Z. You have to figure it out by trial and error. And in some cases that would involve because of how this game saves, either going back to the beginning of the level and redoing everything, or, you know, essentially I had to walk my way back to the beginning and and kind of reverse engineer how to get back to this Switch. It was, it was fun, and I didn't hate it, but it added an hour of gameplay time onto a level that otherwise I had basically finished. I don't remember how I actually had the patience to beat this game as a kid. Like, I know the first half of it was because I actually, I could not go to school because I got chicken pox. Um, and this was when I was in high school. So apparently my body waited until I was in high school to get chicken pox. So I could not go to school for like a solid week or more. And I just bought this game. And so like that entire week, of course, I had nothing to do. I was sick. All I was doing was just sitting here playing Tomb Raider every single day. And I'll, I don't know if you like as a kid, like you just kind of remember these these memories of certain games that you were way into. And my memories of Tomb Raider was literally just sitting there from the time I got up and ate breakfast all the way until dinner, sometimes on the same stage because of that save system. And it was just, I think that's my absolute biggest complaint with that game. Like the controls, they didn't know any better, but that save, that whole save system is bullshit. Like just give me a, a regular save. And thankfully, when we were playing it this time, uh, I, we were both playing on RetroPies, and you have that ability to just, you know, give, do a save state whenever you want. That made this game so much better <laughs> playing it now, because at first I was actually trying to play with that original save, save system. And it just doesn't work, like, now. Like, back then, I did it. I don't know how I did it, because even playing through it this time, I was like, what in the world did I do to make it through this game? because I needed a save state every few steps in this game just to make it through some of these stages. But yeah, I, this, this save state is, is, or the save system is close to just breaking this game now completely for anyone that wants to get in and play it, like experience it how it was. The, the only thing I can say is one, we weren't used to games that do like, you know, we keep bringing up Uncharted, but that's a, a really good comparison or, or the current Tomb Raiders to, to what this, these games are now. Now you have save states every I mean, I feel like every three feet, where if you make a mistake, you come back to like three ledges before, unless it's a section that clearly is set up to be, yeah, this is an endurance run or whatever. Otherwise, normally it saves pretty constantly, where this game doesn't do that. Uh, the other thing is I'd say, and, and I worked at Electronics Boutique when this came out, I was, I was in a gaming store. I recall that we had at least four different types of hint guides for this game from four different companies, and it was almost a guarantee, like, if you're buying this game, you should get this hint guide. And yep, I still you buy got them together, upstairs. you get like a discount on both. And to the point where we, we shrank wrapped them together for, <laughs> for people because everyone came back and needed a hint guide. So I think that also is, is how people got through this. Because I think a lot of these games, it's not impossible by any means. It, once you know what you're doing, you're good to go. The combat, not incredibly difficult. Uh, I don't want to say it's difficult towards the end, but I think the last level of this game is almost a different game. Uh, but but only because of the combat. Otherwise, once you get through the, the, the first, you know, 14 levels of this, it's that kind of empty, 
feeling, but dangerous, not empty and, and boring, empty, dangerous, alone, scary level exploration. And then you get to the last level, and that's still there, but there's also this... The, the the story of this game I'm not extremely excited about by the end, but that's okay. I I, I think it kind of needed to be a little out there. I think the later Tomb Raiders, um, especially the current ones, really don't do that. They play more like an Uncharted, where there's there's sometimes a little bit of of weirdness, but most of the time it's just fighting against a person, or it it's a you know the the temple is falling apart you must run out at a certain time or you have a time limit on certain sections or there's a fire or whatever like natural normal things that would make things difficult the end of this game is this kind of supernatural craziness that i'm not a big fan of uh, up until that point i really really like how this game feels and is put together uh, even with the complaints we've had about the controls i had some other minor complaints uh, the, the controls are, are easily control camera if if you rank them one to ten where ten's like the most damning thing about this game the controls and the, the camera are easily both, like, 10s. But after that, everything's more just, you know, sometimes the graphics make it hard to tell what is a ledge you can reach or not. Um, I found it was really, really difficult to pick up things because you can't just walk over it and pick up a health item. You have to stand right on the exact spot over it and hit the action button, and if you're a little farther away, you'll, you know, you'll roll or do something else. Like, if you're not right on top of this item, you won't pick it up. I found that to be a little annoying. And, and again, it was also tough to tell if I could safely fall down uh and there are some levels where you absolutely have to fall down an area that may not feel like it's that safe but because there's a slight angle you'll fall and kind of ride down that angle like it's a big slide it was hard to tell when that was supposed to happen or when i would just fall to my death but again those are those are minor the controls and camera are the biggest two but i i still think of the tomb raider series if they could recapture the the, the alone feeling of this game, the feeling where you really are exploring these empty places where people haven't been before. Yes, in this game there is uh, there, there are other people sometimes showing up at weird times where it doesn't make any real sense why they'd be there. But it's not as, as constant as it is in the current versions of these sort of games where I feel like Uncharted especially, you know, you're going through these ancient ruins and then as soon as you come around the corner, like, oh, well, this army's over here. Like, well, why are they in these ancient ruins? I don't understand why they're there. Yes, they explain it in the story, but logically, that's ridiculous. Why did I take three hours to crawl through these ruins if there's a whole army force over on this side of these ruins? But um, I, I love how these, these levels are designed, how empty everything feels, but not empty and boring. Like, empty because they're ancient. Yeah, every... every you know, corner you, you round, you're just like, wow, what's next? You know, especially when I was a kid, it was just amazing to see some of these rooms. And cause like I said before, it literally felt like you were just, you were finding some amazing thing that no one has felt uh, has uh, discovered before. Even if there's killer monkeys trying to kill you or some mummies or something like that, still uh, there was, there was a lot more of just like, wow, no one's ever been here before. And uh, that's, that's something I think this game still does really well. Uh, I think if you want to play Tomb Raider these days, I think the worst way you could probably play uh, the original Tomb Raider is to play it on the PlayStation. It Don't play it on the PlayStation, basically. It is, uh, like Jeremy said, it's very hard to see a lot of the things you need to, to see and, and how to go because of just how pixelated and how ancient uh, those graphics look on that system. I remember the first time I played Tomb Raider on PC with a proper graphics card back in the, the Voodoo 3D days. That that was amazing, and it made that game so much easier to play because it 
all of those things that were hard to see on the PlayStation that was, you know, these these ledges that kind of blended in with a bunch of pixels on the PlayStation was very well defined on the PC and everything just looked much better. So yes, if you want the original Tomb Raider experience, play it on PC maybe, don't play it on PlayStation. And if you want to go a step better than that, then play the remake that was released last generation on 360 Wii and I believe PS3 as well that kind of like remade the original and did a really good job of it, uh, but with some more modern controls, something that, that fits more something like Uncharted or even like the uh, the Tomb Raider games that came out on the 360. Like those were pretty pretty decent to control. It was far better than anything that was uh, back in the Tomb Ra- the early Tomb Raider days. And I think they did a great job with that game. All the levels generally uh, held up very well. They cut down some of them, which was definitely needed. But I think that is the best way to play the original Tomb Raider without losing anything, uh, you know, without losing all that that awesome discovery and and things like that that the original did so well. I I was going to ask about that because I'd never played that. And and we're going to get into it. The, The original Tomb Raider sold very well. It was a huge game. Very, very popular, uh, to the point where IDOS said, we're going to do a Tomb Raider every year. And, and that's all that Core, who was the developer, were going to do, was just focus on making Tomb Raider games. So they did. They did a great job of that. Uh, as far as, you know, if, if you really like this game, there was much more of it coming. So, you know, the first Tomb Raider was 1996. Tomb Raider 2 was 1997. Tomb Raider 3 was 1998. Uh, 1999 was the last revelation, which is the one you mentioned was the last one you had played. Uh, and the idea of that was that they kind of thought maybe we'll we'll kill off this character and, and do something else that's similar, but but a different kind of game. We're kind of Tomb Raider out. We're done with it. Uh, but again, that that even though it didn't sell incredibly well, the series was still popular enough. They were not going to allow you to kill off Laura Croft. They then continued to do games uh, on other systems. Uh, they did Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advanced. PS2 was the last one that Core was a part of. That was the Angel of Darkness, I think the eighth oh. one in the series. Uh, yeah, it was not a good game. It was not received very well. Uh, you could tell that Core was kind of tired of doing them, and they weren't really used to working with the PS2. Uh, so after that, they switched over to Crystal Dynamics as the developer, uh, and they took over and did the... Th- there was a, a three-year gap, and then they showed up with, in 2006, uh, Tomb Raider Legend, then Tomb Raider Anniversary, which is the one you mentioned that's a remake reimagining of the first game and then tomb raider underworld in 2008 and then idos was sold to square enix uh square enix then you know did their thing kind of realized what they wanted to do with these properties and these games and there was not a new tomb raider until 2013 when just tomb raider came out in 2013 that's the first one i had played since i want to say tomb raider 2 and it is a, a much more like an uncharted it is a, a modern version of what Tomb Raider would, would be as far as this kind of game. I think the, the Tomb Raider, the 2013 Tomb Raider, is a fun game, plays a lot like an Uncharted. My complaint is uh, with that game is that there are no tombs being raided. That first game is is much more the, the creation of Laura Croft, the character from the daughter of a missing archaeologist to this kind of badass action star. So it's more of a straight, like... She's just trying to get back to civilization after something bad happens, and she goes through all these, you know, it, it's ancient areas, but they're ancient open world areas. And it's not its not the empty, you know, exploration that this game had. Uh, I have heard that the next two games do a little better at actually giving her tombs to raid. I have not played them, but they are the same kind of game. They're that same kind of uh, Uncharted-esque Tomb Raider 
that is what this whole you know genre has become is that I'd say Uncharted is now kind of the the standard flagship for what they should be unlike in you know 1996 when Tomb Raider was this is these kind of games this is what they're going to be so they've had a series that's still going on the last one came out in 2018 and I want to say last month the the free PlayStation 4 game was the Tomb Raider Rise of the Tomb Raider so it's still being pushed. Square Enix is a major company. They're still putting these things out. I expect in the next two years we'll have another brand new Tomb Raider to talk about. Uh, and and it, it, it playing this again now, it's easy to see why this is a series that has continued on instead of just you know going to Uncharted and, and saying that's the only one. No, we're going to make another Tomb Raider because Tomb Raider is what created this sort of game. Sure, the original has some, especially going back, playing them now some fairly major flaws but the the core of the game the idea of the game and and this person that is Laura Croft still holds up today and and I think this game more than any of the other older Tomb Raiders is the one you probably should check out yeah if you're if you're interested in in Tomb Raider on the PlayStation I think the original does does it best as far as like the just the whole Tomb Raiding aspect. I think Tomb Raider 2 did a very good job of refining a lot of things that, that were kind of janky in the original. I actually think the levels are much much better designed and just being shorter in the sequel. Like, they're not as fun to go around with, and they did a lot of, like, more modern settings, like going around in, like, a big tanker on the sea and, and stuff like that, which just isn't fun for me. Like, the more modern you make Tomb Raider, the less I care. Because to me, that's, you know, that's not Tomb Raider. You're not raiding tombs in like a modern tanker on the, the seabed fighting like dudes in flamethrower outfits. Like, I, I want to be raiding tombs. And you mentioned the, the, the reboot. Uh, like, I love that. I thought that was a really great, like, just taking that character back to what made her fun. Like, even though it is in, in a more modern kind of uncharted game, uh, I absolutely love that game. But like... Everything after Tomb Raider 2 generally was just not good. And I, I kind of stopped playing it after the last revelation until that reboot of it. And I, I've been playing it since. And they're quite like the reboots and, and the sequels for that are, have been quite good. But they still, like you said, I just don't think any of them have got back to that point of the original game where of just being alone in these giant levels of, of just nothing (laughs) it sounds boring but these levels are so good they flow so well even though they are so damn huge like it's just it's a fun thing to explore these levels and that first tomb raider on the playstation if you can get past the controls and you can play it on something that doesn't look like it's everything is like you know super low resolution i i think you go for it or just play that remake that remake's pretty fucking great Wait, Jeremy, we, we forgot something that's very important. Okay, I'm sorry. What did we We'll forget? never get this chance again. We mentioned all this Tomb Raider shit. We have not talked about the movies. You're right. Uh, I mean, the Tomb Raider was, was massive. Uh, outside of just the games, there were a, a series of movies. I think two movies that came out and a comic book series. I mean, there was a lot involved with Laura Croft. They were fully into Laura Croft. That said, I don't think movies are all that good. Uh, you're right. <laughs> They're not. Uh, I I just remember like when that first uh, that first movie came out. Like all I wanted to do was go see that because I was like, oh my god, that's Tomb Raider. Like they're actually making a Tomb Raider movie. Like, of course that had to happen. It's got Angelina Jolie, and it looks like from the trailers, it looked pretty cool. But man, that movie 
Did you? I'm, I'm assuming you've seen it. Yes, I saw the first one. I think I saw the second one because she was in two. I think Angelina Jolie was in two of the yes. two movies, and then there was like a. Wasn't there another one that had some unknown person? It doesn't matter. The, the one, the the first one with Angelina Jolie, it wasn't a bad movie as a movie, but it was a terrible Tomb Raider. It was just Indiana Jones again. It was like they're trying, like they were trying their best to do some Matrix stuff, and yeah, I, I think e- yeah. <laughs> even more so in the second one. But this first one was like it, it, they were trying to combine those two, like trying to make it super edgy and matrixy and stuff like that, uh, but still like tr- trying to do the Laura Croft thing. And the only reason I, I actually wanted to mention this is because the ending of the first movie is so just batshit insane. And I, whatever, spoilers. I, I, I think it also is as almost as batshit as insane as the actual ending of this game. Yeah, it kind of is. But this one, it like I, by the end of watching this movie as a kid or a teenager, I just remember them running up this pyramid, trying to get to this orb of light or something. And even then, as a huge fan of Tomb Raider, Laura Croft, Angelina Jolie, I was just sitting there just like, this is the most fucking stupid thing I have ever seen. And it just, it, it was just amazing. If you guys haven't seen the original Tomb Raider, please do. The sequel, I think, is just kind of bad. It, it just really goes on to the more, like, Matrixy stuff, making Laura into this, like, Matrix badass who can do flips all over the place, and she has all this really bad technology and stuff. But, yeah, the movies, I I think they're worth mentioning because they are just part of that that timeline. But, yeah, it's they're not very good. Well, you know, Jeremy, we do have a, a, a series that we've only visited one time where we review games or review movies based on games. Perhaps a future episode we should look at the original tomb raider movie uh to compare it to this game we've already kind of given away your thoughts on it but you know what if we went and actually really dug in deep i'm sure there's more to say that's true we should do that i i would totally be down with watching that movie i'm sure has it has not aged very well since the last time i saw it which was uh a few months after it came out So that's our thoughts on the original Tomb Raider. Again, if you, if you like the Tomb Raider series, it's fun to play this to see what they were aiming at and, and in some ways have not recaptured since. Uh, but at the same time, if you've never played a Tomb Raider and you're not really into that kind of third-person action adventure, th- this may not change your mind if you'd never played them before uh, to go back to the kind of originator of the series. It's, it's awkward, it's stiff, uh, but it has a lot of promise. You know, normally at the end of every episode, we, we all answer questions we get from our listeners, but maybe... You, every time you listen, you think, how do I get a question to Retrovaniacs? And the easiest way is to go to Retrovania.net. At the bottom of the page, underneath all the, the, the stuff we have, it you know, links to our podcast and YouTube channel, our social media pages. We have articles there sometimes. I believe we, we have one up now about the Ease series, and there's more coming. At the bottom, there is a question form. You can put in any question you want, and we will answer it on the show like we're going to do right now. That is totally correct. And our first question comes in here from Scarcrow, and he's wanting to know about gone fishing? Question mark. Hi guys, I have a question that has been bothering me after I listened to your super black bass episode. Why does this episode keep coming back? Like <laughs> this is of all the episodes we have ever done, I swear to God, we get more more questions about this damn super black bass episode. Did Jim but the question is, 
did Jeremy P. really ever catch a fish after that episode posted like he said he would? I'm probably the only guy in the universe that still actually thinks about this. Anyway, thanks for another great episode and take care. There's probably two of you because I'm pretty sure Billy asked me this as well. And the answer is no, but not because I didn't try. I did try, and I still failed to catch a fish on Super Black Bass. I don't know why I can't wrap my head around that game. I tried. I tried really hard, and I never figured it out. And, and I love fishing games. We, we did a whole other episode after that where we talked about, uh, at least on the bonus feed, where we talked about different fishing games we liked and why they were good. Uh, and in fact, our next one of our next bonus shows, if not the next bonus show, is on another game that will be fishing as, as a major part of the game. It's not technically a fishing game, but a game that has fishing as a major component. So, no, to answer your question, I never did catch a fish on Super Black Bass, and I, I'm beginning to think I never will. That's probably why Billy didn't show up for this episode. He, like, he knows. That's true. He asked me, and I said yeah, I didn't, and he has not returned my text since. Yeah, just stop responding to everyone at that point. Uh, but, yes... Uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to this this next bonus episode because I did not get to participate in the previous fishing episode. So this one this one looks good. If you guys are, are down for fishing episodes and for all the people that, that mentioned this damn Super Black Bass episode, which I still to this day, even like on YouTube and things like that, for the people that actually do not listen to the podcast at all on YouTube, like that's the one that I get the most comments on for some reason. Like every people in their damn Super Black Bass. But yes, next episode, next bonus episode, uh, uh, looks looks like a damn good fishing episode. Uh, anyway, thank you for writing in, Scar Crow, and we're going to get to our next question coming in from Joey M., and it's about Super Mario Brothers. Lucky for him, I, I have played Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes, I think we've all played that one. That is an obscure gem that no one mentions anymore. I finally beat Mario Brothers all the way through. No cheats, no rewinds, no save states, no warps. Nothing but me and this old gray box. I can't believe how difficult that game actually is. Please keep in mind that I'm not an NES kid. I grew up on newer, easier games. I knew games were harder back in the NES days, and now I know exactly how much harder. Since you guys were actually there, was it considered normal for most kids to have beaten Mario Brothers? Since I assume it was a game that kind of everyone had. If you couldn't beat Super Mario Brothers, were you a wimp? Was Super Mario Brothers a rite of passage? I don't think it was a rite of passage, and I also don't think it's a game everybody beat. Everyone did have it. It was not a launch title, but it came out almost immediately after. It wasn't even the original pack-in, if you recall the original NES pack-in was either no game, I believe, or you could buy the set that came with Gyromite and Duck Hunt. And that, that's the version that I had played first. Uh, one of my friends was like, you know, not, not quite launch day, but, but soon enough after that he had Gyromite with that useless robot. Although, I do like Gyromite. And the robot was a neat gimmick uh, that ultimately was a complete gimmick. And Duck Hunt's fun. I like light gun games on the Nintendo. But Super Mario Brothers was not a game he had at first. And then once he had it, and I don't think we can stress this enough, it was a game changer for home consoles that has not been like outdone as far as, as a game that really did change what I thought a home console could do. Like up until that point, you know, I had an Intellivision, I played a, a bunch of Atari, I had a computer, computers could do this kind of stuff, but consoles mainly did kind of simple arcade ports, uh, things like Space Invaders, Pac-Man, uh, games that were super fun. And, and they had games that tried to do more, but never really succeeded. Super Mario Bros. was the first game I had played on the Nintendo that really did kind of blow my mind with what a home console could do. And 
you know, it became the pack, and after that, everybody had it. Uh, I I know I finished Super Mario Brothers as a ch- as as a kid. I definitely have beaten it again since because I beat it when I played Super Mario All Stars and beat all of them. But it was a game that I mean, no warps. I don't know if I did that ever. I mean, I I would have beaten through the levels where I warped to that point. Like I've beaten every level in that game, but probably not from start to finish. And I'm okay with that because it's a, it's a game without passwords. It's a game without saves. So if you've beaten you know, world one one through four four, and you're gonna take that first warp to go right from what one two to four one. Do it, just do it, just get through it. Get what you need to do uh, to get to those later levels. But I have beaten every level in the game. I, I don't think that was. I know plenty of people who have not finished that game. They got to the eighth world, and the eighth world does ramp the difficulty up. Uh, but I don't think it was necessarily if you didn't finish it, you were a wimp. It was. It was just a game that was kind of regarded as very difficult towards the end. But not impossible. It also wasn't one of those games that's a, a game to brag about. Not a, There's no reason to be like, oh, but I beat Mario Brothers because I'm awesome. It's not nearly that level of difficulty. Uh, but, but it is a game that I think a lot of people did not finish. And I don't actually remember as a kid, like, until, like, the 16-bit days when people started really bragging about getting through difficult games. For me, it was, I think the first I remember was, like, people bragging about getting through uh, Street Fighter Two on the Super NES on, like, 8-star difficulty. Like things like that, being like you're, you're not a gamer unless you do this, bro. But yeah, for NES, I didn't have too many games that that people were really challenging me over. Like I, I beat some hard games. I beat Castlevania. I beat Contra. All the Contras. Um, well, the two that was actually on the NES. Well, I'd uh, say Contra is a good example. If you could be beat Contra without the thirty lives code, that was worth bragging about. Yeah, and not a lot of people yeah, that- could do it. Uh, but everyone could beat Contra because you had 30 lives, and you had those th- those continues. So you, everyone could beat Contra, but could you beat it with three lives? And that was kind of one of those, those like, yeah, yeah, I did. I beat it with three lives. Whoa, that guy. I mean, it's not impossible. It's not a game like um, – I mean, you mentioned Castlevania. I think Castlevania is a much, much harder game than Contra. Uh, I finally beat Castlevania, I don't know, five years ago. I'd never beat the, the entire game of Castlevania. Uh, until then and i did it without safe states thankfully i did it on the cart finished it it was very very difficult um i remember people more like uh castlevania 2 was a game that it it wasn't hard but if you figured it out everyone's like whoa who did you did you call the nintendo tip line there's no way you figured this out on your own yeah and that was like games like that games that were more like large release games that were more uh, hard to figure out like um I, i still have legacy of the wizard I still have no idea how to beat or make any progress in Legacy of the Wizard. I've looked it up online. I know how to do it technically. I don't think I would have ever figured that out. Or Deadly Towers. Like, there's plenty of games that if you could have figured out how to actually beat them, that was way more of, a, of like, a, a braggable feat than beating Super Mario Brothers. Although, again, not, a, not an easy game to finish, and not a lot of people did. I think the one that I actually remember the most, uh, anything on the NES was this uh, friend, quotation marks, friend that I had back then. His name was George, and he was a piece of shit. It's like one of those things, like, as Hopefully you grow older. Hopefully not a patron. <laughs> it's just like anything, like, in the future, like, of somebody named George, I just automatically think he's an asshole because of this kid. And his claim to fame was that he beat Ninja Gaiden. And, like, I never believed him, not only because, like, he wasn't very good at playing video games, also because back then I just thought that was impossible. Because Ninja Gaiden is, is man, that game is still, to this day, one of the hardest I've ever played. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's really about the only one I remember on the NES as, as being, like, it's like, 
yeah. someone actually coming out and being like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really good at video games because I beat this one. Um, I just, I, for me, that just didn't start until the 16-bit days. So, yeah, thank you, uh, Joey, for writing in. And uh, we're going to finish off here with Mason, and he's got a gaming music challenge for us. He writes in to say, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with me on my Facebook posts, but I've been doing a 30-day video game music challenge where I have to pick 30 favorite tracks from 30 different games. It's been interesting to have to narrow down so many potential choices and not repeat games. I think next month, the three of you should try it too and post your choices daily. I have been following that, and I think it's interesting. It's it's actually more involved than how he described it. It's not just pick 30 different things you like from 30 different games and you can't repeat them. It's like every day is a different uh, like a different objective. So it's like your favorite intro song to a game, like favorite title screen, favorite fighting game theme. Like it's all these different little things you have to do. And the bonus is don't ever repeat a game. So I think that's pretty cool. I, I do have a copy of that chart he's using to do that. And I would love to do that in September. Um, I cannot speak for Billy, but I, I'll at least be doing it. Yeah, I'll, I'll try that. I mean, that's sound, I, I'm a pretty big fan of video game music. Uh, so yeah, that, that sounds like fun. Now, if you're going to do this, what version of social media are you going to have to create to do this on i know i don't actually have any social media so <laughs> i mean you could use I, the retrovania uh and i'll yeah, use my I, own personal that's fine i i could just send send in my stuff and be like hey this is the other jeremy that doesn't have any social media and this is what he picks um yeah i, I don't know i guess if we should if we do it we, it should just all be combined into like you know here's here's yours and here's jeremy's and here's billy's and, yeah, and yeah, one would, one post where we'll do it all do on it. the retrovania uh, Twitter account. That's probably the best way to do it. Instagram, you can't play the music, and it's it's not going to work. Twitter, though, we can link to each of these songs. That's the way to do it. Twitter or Facebook, maybe both. Um, and we'll, we'll post about it so everyone knows where to find it. But yes, I like that idea a lot. I've been following Mason's uh, Mason's songs, and some of them, I'm like, I forgot about how good that song is. So I'm looking forward to doing that. I've already got some in mind. That's a little bit more involved than what he initially let on with this email. I didn't know it was like specific uh intros or things like i didn't know there were rules beyond just being like hey i like this video game song from this game i don't think it's anything you're gonna have a problem with but the the not repeating games is what makes it difficult i'll, I'll send you the chart and we'll post the chart uh at the beginning of september and and if you really want to see it beforehand i will post it on our patreon feed even for non-patreon members it will be visible uh, at our, our patreon which the link is always in the comments of this episode, but also at Retrovania.net, where you can also find links to our other social media sites and, of course, the question form, where you can send us a question like everybody else did that we just answered, and we will answer them in a future episode. Uh, other than that, we will be back with another brand new episode before the end of the month on this feed, but also we have two bonus shows coming up, including one that if you liked our fishing show, you're going to like that one, too. It is something else and i don't want to say i like it but i will say i love it and we will see you next time